Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. We're starting a new series on Rooted, thus that's why we have the shirts and we'll make those available in a couple of months here. This is going to be our 2022 theme. Rooted in Christ, rooted in one another, and uh, that's what we want to talk about for the next couple of weeks here on this series. And um, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 2. Open up your Bibles, if you will. If you don't have one uh, with you, they'll be provided uh, on the screens behind me, the scripture verses as we go through those today. You know, understanding this as we're rooted in Christ, you know, as we, we live and walk out our purpose we quickly realize that Christian growth is a process, isn't it? It is. Walking in Christ, Christian growth, one step at a time. We're saved in a moment, but it's a lifetime to live for Jesus. Amen? It really is. And so in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul, as he's speaking to this church in Colossians, he speaks to us today, is that he wants us to understand that Our faith in Christ has got to be more than just what's in our heads intellectually. It's what's got to work out in our lives in intimacy as well with Jesus. So the Bible always links information with transformation, right? Always that here's the information, but it's not going to stop there. There has to be a transformation in our lives to become like the Lord Jesus Christ, that Each and every one of us inside of this room, the sound of my voice, has been given something to us in our life, something that's been handed down. It could have been from a family member, a friend, whatever it may be. And as you look in this, the Apostle Paul is going to speak into this area of being rooted in Jesus because you and I have been given something that has been passed down, and we have been entrusted to carry on the work that Jesus has started in us. Colossians chapter 2 Verses 6 through 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted. Can you say that word? Rooted. So say it again. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So many of the stories that we hear around here in the life of Abundant Life Church have been stories of incredible transformation. God has changed lives, and God is in the life change business, and we celebrate that. Just a couple of weeks ago at our house party, we celebrated lives that are being changed at all of our campuses, but that is not always the case. There's always the case of well, as well of marriages falling apart. Someone went back to an addictive behavior, ran from their problems, abandoned their children, or decided that Christianity wasn't for them any longer. It's sad but true. But there are some that are not rooted in Christ. You probably had a conversation with somebody that said, hey, have you had a, uh, seen Jim and Sue or whoever it may be? I haven't seen them in a long time. There, there are some people who for a variety of reasons have simply said that I'm done with Jesus and I don't want any more to do with him. So how do we help each other? The Apostle Paul wants to encourage us. How do we help each other grow in our faith to how we should raise up children in the church and students and encourage one another to make strong converts in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Colossians, Paul has written to combat a subtle drift in people's thinking about the importance and the centrality of who Jesus is. 
And this is a great topic to talk about because in verse 8, which we can't even go into expand on, here's what he's trying to finally get to. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits, according, he's saying, of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul is concerned about their thinking and their living and how they have begun to drift in their faith away from God. And we find in this, we understand that a Jesus-centered life and and a Jesus-centered ministry is a call for every one of us to help connect people to the life of Christ that he has for us. It's being rooted and it's being established in him. In other words, getting Christ at the core of our life means that we are constantly building connections in people's mind between their life in the supremacy of who Jesus Christ is, and it's helping people learn to follow Jesus no matter what the costs. If you're with me, say yes. And Paul does this in two ways in this passage. He reminds them first of what they have received, and secondly, he describes what walking, really living in Christ looks like. So how do we remain rooted? Well, the first one in verse 6 is, remember what you have received. The first step in helping people to remain rooted in Christ over the long haul is to remind them what really is important. That's what Paul connects them back to, the truth of Jesus Christ. In the midst of a culture that we live in today that he saw in Colossians was a culture that was throwing out so many different ideas, philosophies, spiritual concepts that Paul is coming and talking to them to set the record straight about what is most important. And Paul is kind of saying, hey, listen, understand this. I want to take you back to the basics here. I want you to forget all these other things that are around you, the philosophies of this world, the empty deceit that you are seeing, that you and I are seeing in the world that we live in right now. He says, I want you to understand this. It comes down to this simple issue Jesus Christ is supreme and keep him at the forefront of your heart and your mind. And this is why verse 6 starts off with the word therefore. Paul identified in verses 4 and 5 that he, he was glad. He said, listen, I'm glad you're standing firm in the faith in Christ. And that you're resisting the deluding, plausible arguments that are swirling around you. But it doesn't take long to lose focus, does it? How many of you realize that in your own life? That you can be focused on one thing at one moment, squirrel, and then you're out of focus the next, right? We're that way. We, we get that way. It's amazing how that can happen. And what it happens in our spiritual walk is it hinders us from becoming like Christ. And this happens in really two ways amongst the many. There are more, but predominantly, first of all, there's a truth deficiency. We start believing something about Jesus that isn't true or what we've heard about him from human tradition. And it's never corrected or balanced in our life. For example, much of what John writes about in 1 John is to combat the error that Jesus was fully God but not fully man. And he comes and he comes out and he tells them and he instructs them and he commands them. C.S. Lewis put it this way, old error in a new dress is error nonetheless. Isn't that true? It's really true. It doesn't matter which way you want to dress it up. If it's false, it's false. 
And he comes and he combats this, as Paul does in this passage. The, also, the, the next one is also a trust deficiency. That this is far more common in most of our lives than anything else. It happens when the real and practical trust of our heart is not really on Jesus, but on the forms that we have created to try to lead us to Jesus. And on our focus, what happens many times, it becomes on the method rather than the master. Doesn't it? Many times we start trusting the formality, the tradition that we were brought up in, brought up in rather than on the master. And I say this because if you look at this word received, it certainly includes the idea of receiving God personally, but it's even more that than that because the original word means to receive from another. And it carries with it this nuance, receiving something that was handed down to you and to me, that you and I have been given something that has been handed down to every single person in, in this room. For some, it means an important connection to the past, something that could have value, shouldn't, and, and it shouldn't be changed, something to which you have attached maybe emotional importance or connection to. However, Paul says in this, I want to remind you and reminds us that more than anything else, Jesus Christ is Lord And don't remove him out of that place in your life, in the church, and in your family. That's what he's coming to, and he comes to address to you and me. And and things get really messed up. Haven't you realized that when we start living emotionally and practically with other things is more important than Christ Jesus as Lord? And sometimes we've received a tradition that is maybe outside of Jesus, But Paul says you need to come back to understand something's been given to you and has been handed to every single one of you to us in this room, and that is Jesus Christ. Because I'm saying inside of this that as Paul is saying that Jesus is the core of everything in the universe. In God's redemptive plan, in my life and your life, Jesus is most important. Everything revolves around him. I'm saying that there is no one greater, there's no one more attractive, there's no one more worthy, and there's no one more sufficient than Jesus Christ. You and I can love many things about life, but it should pale in comparison to who Jesus is. Amen? That's right. It means that that life that we've been given, that we receive his life, that that's the life that we're to experience every single day, especially on Sundays that it should draw us back to him. It means that our aim in everything should be to point you to Jesus Christ and everything that you do in your life should point others to Jesus Christ because he's about ready to talk to them about their walk. That's what he's setting them up. He's saying, listen, I want you to walk in this way. And so things can get messed up when we truly don't understand what God really wants for us as supreme in our life, Paul says, walk in him. It's a command. And that this is a description of how you and I are to behave every single day. You know, your walk and my walk is a pretty good indication of what is happening on the inside of our heart and mind. Isn't that true? Because those two things can't be disconnected. Paul is commanding inside of this, in this portion, that there must be and there is a direct connection between who Jesus is and how we walk and how we live. And there's two things that very practically, before I go on to the main points today, there's two very practical points here that, that, that I believe that needs to be pointed out. 
A lack of connection between Christ and your life is not normal, right? Because that means you're out of connection with your creator. It's not normal to be disconnected from Jesus. I mean, that Jesus is supposed to be over your life. And what you hear on Sunday is supposed to work out in your life on Monday and the rest of the week. And that doesn't mean any of us are perfect, that's for sure. But there's a very practical approach Don't disconnect Jesus from who you are. Also, the solution to a faltering walk is focusing more on Jesus and not on yourself. Now, this is so true. The problem is our sin. We realize that. And the best remedy for that is not to focus on us, but to focus on Christ. A new book, an accountability partner, getting counseling, additional sermon, listening to podcasts, memorizing scripture, or fasting are not going to work if you try to use them to replace Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is coming to, because there is a delusion in the culture that is watering down Jesus, that you can do all these other things and still be okay. No, you cannot, because it's about Jesus and him and him alone. The older I get, the more I realize I'm not very good at figuring anything out, including me. Come on, can I see your hand? You can't figure, no, not about me, but you, okay? You can't, you're like, I can't figure that guy out. No, I'm talking about you, right? You can't figure yourself out, right? You're trying to like, what in the world? And I've discovered that the best solution to a faltering walk is to start focusing more on Jesus and knowing him and loving him, and singing to him, and praying to him, and less about what's going on in me. We got a world that's full of self-help. Is it working? No. I want you to be proud in a good way that you are a part of Abundant Life Church. You've made this your church home. I want you to be excited about the life change that you see and you experience, that that is what has been passed down to us here, that we have been handed down Jesus, and he has called us to be rooted in him. It's very important we help people, and we hand down to them Jesus Christ. That, that we realize everything else will eventually be disappointing. Have you realized that? Pastors are human. They make mistakes. Churches are organizations. They aren't always effective. Traditions, while meaningful, change. Ultimately, the only focal point is the deep roots that we have in Jesus. You've got to remember what you receive. This is what Paul says in verse 6. You've got to come back. You've been given something. It's been rooted in Christ. Don't forget your roots. Don't forget your roots. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't forget your roots. He says, you need to walk in him, verse 7. That's the second thing. You've got to walk in him. Well, what is, He's, he's going to carve this out. What does walking in Jesus look like? He puts some handles on it because he knows we we need to understand this, and he wants us to understand it because there's four descriptions, rooted, built up, established, and abounding in thanksgiving. Our walk always relates to our manner of conduct, conduct in unity and conformity to Jesus. The first three words that I just said, they're all passive. They're pointing to the fact that God is the one that is doing the work, while the final description, abounding in thanksgiving, is active. 
It's interesting as you see these descriptions, they're rooted in metaphors. He uses metaphors that are agricultural, rooted, architectural, built up, judicial. They are established to help us understand what walking in Christ looks like every day. So let's look at them quickly. Walking involves our dependence on him, Jesus. That means you're rooted. To be rooted in Christ means that believers have been firmly connected to Jesus's life. Like a branch is connected to a vine. You realize John chapter 15, where the branch is, he's the vine, right? Right? And so the word vine is the word rooted in John chapter 15. This is not mechanical. This is something that is natural. It's organic. It's what happens when you come in and you live the life that Jesus wants you to live, that organically in your life, you begin to grow and you begin to mature and you have deeper roots. It is our dependence on Jesus. The word, it's in a perfect tense that means rooting. It was something that happened in the past with present implications. It took place back here, but it is the implications of what takes place every single day as you and I walk personally, practically how we live in Christ. It's living out the reality of your position in Jesus. A plant has to have deep roots in good soil in order for it to grow. See, what we see above the ground depends on what is happening below the ground, right? So if you see a tree above the soil that is growing, that is life-giving, that is green, that is bearing fruit, that means underneath the soil, there's a root system that is flourishing, thriving, growing, nourished. If you see somebody's life that is dying, maybe even your own, you can realize that you may not see it, but underneath the surface, there is a root system that is very shallow and that is not growing. And that when the winds come, the tree of your life will be toppled. That's why Jesus says, you can come and you need to count on me, Galatians 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like mighty trees fed by strong roots, believers are to remain rooted in Jesus. Now, Jeremiah 17, I love this passage of Scripture, verses 7 through 8. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree, what? Planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. I love this passage of scripture because God's word, word is good for all time, but it is so good for the world we live in right now because there is so much fear, even in the body of Christ, in the day that we live in, in the world that we are in. This scripture tells me when you are planted, you will not have fear when the heat comes. Hello? That's what that tells me. If you are living in fear, you are not planted. Are you with me? This may be a little hard word for some of you. Just, all right. 
and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Do you know how much anxiety is in the, in the world we live in and how much anxiety is in the body of Christ? He says, when you are planted, he said, you will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will you cease from yielding fruit. That even if there's a drought, even if things around us look pale, even if things that look crazy around us, you are still able to bear fruit because you're connected to Jesus. That is the way growth occurs. That is the way that it takes place. We need to be men and women of God that trust God's word that we are planted in him. And it doesn't matter what comes we're going to build, and we're going to build our lives on him, and we're going to yield fruit. Psalm 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. This is such a powerful portion of scripture that if you are, you are planted in the house, you're going to flourish in the courts. That when people truly plant their lives in the house, and what God wants them to do in the house of God, that you will flourish in the courts of our God. You can't disconnect these things. That this is how God has called us to live as the body of Christ right now in the day that we live. That we have gone through an incredibly crazy year where it is surprising not only to this church, but to many, many pastors that I talk to of how many people who have allowed this last year in the pandemic to separate themselves from the complete body of Christ. And they are still expecting their life to bear fruit. It can't happen. You, you, can't, you can't flourish if you're not planted. Are you with me? And so as we come and as we look at this, this is the desire of God over us that you would be planted so that you would flourish. There's so many great examples of this in the church. I want you to take a moment and listen to this testimony by the Hogans. So when we first came here, uh, we, we were drawn and we were blessed to have a church family that helped us during a particularly hard time when we were going through fostering and adoption of our children. After that time, we connected with so many that uh, challenged and encouraged us in our walk. And it's been great ever since. We were struggling at the time and we were um, connected with a, a small group that was similar with what we were needing. And it was very, it was exactly what we needed to, to be able to get through that difficult time with like-minded people praying for us, being there for us. God was, was providing for us through the church and through that small group. I think here also, <clears throat> um, ALC provided us an opportunity to um, kind of expand in how we help with the ministry. You know, I've, I've been able to connect through the women's group. I've been, been able to serve with the women's group. I've been able to be fed by the women's group. Justin's been able to be part of men's group and, and our children have been able to, you know, be part of children's events and family events. You know, just being a part of all of that, knowing that this is 
family that in, in various ways we're, we're either giving or we're receiving as it should be. So one of the things that I'll always uh, cherish about ALC are the different opportunities that we've had to come alongside others in ministry. If I had to, to sit down with someone that is new to ALC, I would encourage them that they've found a place that is genuine and sincere in coming alongside anybody that's, that's pursuing the walk with Christ. And these are people that will cry with you, they will be happy with you, in a way that I think so many are, are, are looking for. I know that in our experience at ALC, we've enjoyed the full benefit of having that genuine, sincere encouragement and family that we can, can lean into in those times. It's been exactly what we've needed to grow us individually, to grow us as a family, to help us through some of the most difficult times in our life, to celebrate with us in some of the more joyous moments of our lives. Yeah, God, God brought us here. He brought us here for a reason, because this is, this is home, this is family for us. Thank you to Justin and Karen for giving us that testimony. They've been planted here in over 10 years, and um, they have served faithfully and been a blessing in raising their kids here. But, you know, I can go across the sanctuary today, and uh, for most of you, I know your story, and I know those that have been here and been planted, and you're rooted, and God has done amazing things in your life, and uh, I thank you for that. For staying in there, even when it's difficult, even when you go through difficult things in your family and in your home and in the world that you live in, you understand that you have to cultivate deep roots. And if you want fruit, then you have to cultivate deep roots. The root produces the fruit. If you take care of faithful, God takes care of fruitful. I hear of a lot of people, they're trying to just get to the fruit. You know, you, you can't get to the fruit without first taking care of the root system, and you have to remain faithful, faithful, and he will take care of the fruit. We need to learn to put down deep roots in the body of Christ. Don't be the person who keeps picking up your family every couple years and keep moving them to another church. Just talking the truth today because I love you. See, I believe when people keep moving from one church to another, they've settled for a shallow love in their life. And that's not the Christ-like way of love. That, oh, I got bumped by somebody in the church and I don't like it. And so thus, I'm going to pick my family up and I am going to leave. We need to be people that are planted in the house. We need to be people that if we really truly want to bear fruit, you stay here for the long haul. And there are people and there are stories in this church that have. You know, there's one tree that's almost indestructible. It's the banana tree. I love bananas. You can burn it, you can chop it up, you can bulldoze it, but it will come back. Why? Because it has some of the deepest roots of any tree. We need some people that are bananas about staying rooted. That's what I'm saying, okay? Let me remind you again that spiritual maturity is not becoming more independent, it's becoming more dependent. And everything in our world is pushing us out to the fringes and saying that's okay. That's exactly opposite of what the Bible says we have to do as a community. Amen? 
Walking involves our growth in him. That's the next point. You got to be built up. It means that there's a solid foundation upon which construction is happening. There's growth, there's progress. Built up implies believers that are still under construction. I don't know about you. I am still under construction. How about you? We're still under construction. And that's, he's saying this, and being built up, that's a process, and we're under construction. These are two words. They, they, they imply progress. Plants grow, a building's built. Those two things go together. A tree that loses its root topples, but a building that is only partially built is an eyesore. Paul calls every believer to be growing. You're making visible progress that is evident to everybody else around you. Hey, we should be growing, and we should be seeing it in one another. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Because underneath the surface, it can only be this for so long until it produces something that is life-giving that we see, and we call out, and we encourage in one another. Amen? We need to do that. God's building something great here. And uh, he wants you to be a part of it. Also, walking involves increasing strength in him. That's the word established. The idea here is that our walk results in incremental increase in spiritual strength. Since it's directly connected in this passage to the words, in the faith. There's an ever-growing confidence in you. And what you believe. In other words, the more you experience the power of God, the more you come to trust it. Walking in Christ, you're established, you're built up. Maturity is marked by having less confidence in yourself and a greater confidence in God's word. The psalmist says the same thing, Psalm 119, 28. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And then also, walking involves abundant gratitude towards him. What does that mean? You're abounding in thanksgiving. The final characteristic that Paul points out in this passage is walking in Christ is an abundance of gratitude. The word for abounding, what does it mean? It means excess. It means excel or to cause to super abound. It's important to remember that the former three distinctions, rooted, built up, and established, I said a moment ago, is in the passive voice. But the last one, abounding in thanksgiving, is in the active voice. That means only you can do it in your life. You're the only one inside of your life can thank God for your life that he's given you today to live, that you got up and you were able to come to church and you were able to sing praise to the Lord. When's the last time you thank God for your house? How about your apartment? How about the car you drive? How about the kids that you have? How about your family? How about your marriage? How about those things? When is the last time you sang praise to the Lord with your own song to him and thanking him for all of the blessings that you and I have received in our lives? We need to be people that are bound in thanksgiving. More than ever before, there's too much discouragement. There's too much heaviness of soul and spirit. We need to be people that are bound in thanksgiving. That's a sign of maturity. Dwelling in the negative, that's a sign of immaturity. Dwelling in the positive and things that are life-giving, that's a sign of maturity in a root system that goes deep within you. It has to be categorized and characterized by abundant gratitude. And so Paul's bringing us to this. He's saying, you know what? What is dependence? I grow more dependent on the Lord and on one another, not less. 
growth. I need to get serious about the natural process of spiritual growth. I need to get serious about this for my own life. I, I, need, I need to grow. That means me. I need, to, I need to come and be a lifelong follower of Christ. I need to be in the Word. I need to meditate on the Word. I need to chew on the Word. And I need to continue to learn from God's Word. I need strength. I need to see trials as an opportunity to be strengthened by the word. Gratitude. I need to see that I need to abound in thanksgiving every single day in my life. And that really is what Paul's getting us to. There's too much culture that's diluting everything else, human philosophies, thought processes, paradigms. He says, I'm bringing you back to this. It's about Jesus and him alone. It's about him first, always first, forever first. So let's be sure that we live this way. Let's lead in the way and let's teach this way. Let's do marriage this way. Let's raise our kids this way. Let's, let's reach out to a lost world this way. That our God is up to something great in this house. And he has planted us here in Christ. And we are built together to do his work in these days. So would you come with a spirit of thanksgiving today, just thanking the Lord for what he has done in you and what he has yet to do inside of you? Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the book of Colossians that reminds us about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that it is only about you, Lord. And I pray right now that we would take a quick accountability of our life at this moment. And if there is anything that is shading our growth in you, that we would tear it down and we would rip it down right now so, Jesus, you would be preeminent. Anything that has gotten in the way of our growth before you, anything that has kept us from being built up and established and abounding in thanksgiving, to tear it down, Come with a heart of gratitude and thanks for what you have done for every single one of us today. Lord, we give you the praise and I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that so much has been given to us, has been passed down to us, and has, Lord, been entrusted to us. So, Lord, we will continue the work of sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' name, and everyone said. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.